0: We are finishing up the Management Materials series, and um, so today is the last week of that. If you've missed those, then you can catch them on uh, YouTube or the podcast. Um, It's just been a stewardship series, and oftentimes in church, stewardship kind of becomes code word for giving and money management, and that was a part of the series. That was week one, but Ultimately, we are managers of all of what the Lord has um, given to humanity, right? And so, as stewards of the earth and all the things, how is it that we would be management material? And that's ultimately what this series is about. Um, I want to pray, and then we'll we'll jump into today. So, Father, thank you that you have revealed your um, heart to us, your values that which you care about to us through your word. Thank you for scripture and how, um, if we allow it to, it can shape our minds and our hearts. So, Lord, we pray that your spirit would do just that on today, shape our hearts and our minds. Unite us as we spend some time together in scripture May everything that I say bring you glory and build up this body. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So management material, chapter 4. We will be, so our primary areas of, like, Scripture will be Genesis, chapter 1, verses 26 through 31, and Revelation twenty two three 3 through 5, but that's more allegorical than anything. It's ultimately all the way through Scripture. We're going to be in a couple of different places where it talks about what we are managers of. Um, So, there'll be a portion of Scripture in Psalms that we'll hit that'll be on the screen and also in Romans, but it's to say all of Scripture from beginning to end talks about us managing this thing. Um, This sermon is about managing God's planet, Um, Another word for that is creation care. Um, And ultimately, as believers, there is a way in which theologically we should be thinking about, speaking about, processing, and even holding each other accountable to managing God's planet. Right? From the beginning of this sermon series... We have had to talk about being intentional to put God in the middle of what we're managing because if we don't, we'll manage it the way we want to. But there are some ways in Scripture that talk about how we are to manage. And this is not going to be super prescriptive. This is not... I told, look, we've told you throughout this whole series, it's a nerdy series. But this is less prescriptive and more argumentative. I actually want to convince you of something. I'm telling you now because I don't like manipulating people. So (laughs) I'm telling you now before I even start, I want to convince you of something. And many of us in this room, this won't take much to convince you, but I want us to look, I want us to have a portion of scripture, places in the Bible that talk about us caring for the planet and why that's important. So we're going to start all the way at the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says, Then God said, so let's talk about that then. This is after God made all the other things, <laughs> right? He made the earth, the sky, the heavens, stars, the moon, the sun, birds, trees, lizards. Some of y'all don't like lizards, but he made them too, okay? Okay fish, whales, and all the things. And then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. If you have a paper Bible, be like us would be something I would underline. That's an important puzzle piece throughout this whole sermon. To be like us. Oftentimes, that idea of being made in God's image to be like us, talking about God, saying the human beings should be like us, we begin to attribute a whole lot of things to that. And it's not to say that there aren't several things that could be lumped into that, but this is actually the part I want to convince you of. I'm pointing to it now. I don't want you to feel tricked at the end. He made human beings, he says, let's make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish and the sea and the birds and the sky. Go ahead to the next verse. The livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Pause. Told you it's nerdy. I'm going to take you back to your English class. When God says, let's make human beings in our image to be like us, that next sentence explains the one in front of it. The way in which human beings are made in God's image is to rule over, take care of all of the things he made. It's not just that we're multifaceted. Yes, God's multifaceted. Yes, human beings are multifaceted. And sure, there's probably a bunch of sermons out there talking about that, (laughs) right? I think one of the things that we often do is we try to make it so big and so broad that we miss what God is saying. This isn't the only time in Scripture where God talks about us being like him in this way. This is the way that Scripture defines for us that we are like God, not that we have noses and hands. Amen. Right. Amen. It is that we have authority in the earth. And then it continues in verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish to the sea, fish oh excuse me, fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed bearing plant throughout the earth, and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life, and that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. The very beginning of all things God makes human beings in his own image and defines that creation in God's image as governors and individuals who would corporately reign, I say corporately, because that's that, that whole point of him saying he made both male and female in his own individual is to not so there's no confusion about this, both of them, <laughs> both of y'all hanging out in this garden, y'all supposed to reign over this. Fill the earth, govern it. That was humans only responsibility at the beginning. Govern it. I made it, and I even made it to, to procreate seeds and all of that stuff. Yep, just plant them and take care of it. Oftentimes, especially in Western culture, we don't always wrap our hearts around govern the way in which Scripture talks about govern. Oftentimes, I think when we see something about subduing and and having dominion over in Scripture, our brain immediately goes to consume. It's for your taking. (laughs) Have it as much as you want. And that's why I really appreciate the word choice of the New Living Translation to govern it. Rain doesn't mean you just get what you want out of it, but it does mean we have authority over it. And in that way, we are like God. I wanna to go to Psalms. Psalms chapter 8. We're actually gonna, I'm gonna read the whole of chapter 8. It says, O oh Lord, O oh Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. If you had a paper Bible or a Bible that would allow you to underline, I would underline name. Because we've talked about this here before, but name in Scripture doesn't just mean what we call God. Name means identity. Anytime we see in Scripture the word name, it's referring to identity. That's why when God gives them the the Ten Commandments, he says, don't take my name in vain. It doesn't really matter what your words that come out of your mouth about what you call me. Don't take my identity in vain. Don't misrepresent me to the earth. I have a reputation to maintain. <laughs> That's basically what God is saying. Listen, I got a rep to maintain, so don't be out here making me look bad. <laughs> That's really what that, all right, that would be the Chase Amplified version. Right, don't be out here making me look bad, right? <laughs> so this word name is the exact same thing. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic Excuse me, your majestic identity fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. And then it takes an interesting turn. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are more mere mortals that you should think about them? We've heard these verses before, but we don't always hear them in this context. What are human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them a little lower than God, and we're I'm putting in parentheses Elohim, right? Spiritual beings, and crowned them with glory and honor. The next verse, you gave them charge over everything you made. We go from talking about the majesty of God's identity filling the earth, questioning why would he even consider human beings with all of the splendor and the majesty and the glory of God's identity filling all creation, and then back to this idea of you put them in charge of everything. This is the crown and the glory of humanity. It's not all of our skills. It's not all of our talents. It's not ability to sing or preach or anything else. It really is humanity's glory is being able to represent God and how we take charge of everything he made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. I'm going to be honest with you. Before this week, this psalm felt disjointed until we remember that we are made in the likeness of God. If we are made in the likeness of God, and the likeness that we carry is the authority to care for all of what he created, no wonder why David would in Psalms say, your majestic identity in humans fills the earth to take care of all the majesty that you have put into creation. Yes, David is praising God, but David is praising God and bolstering this theological idea that, God, you're worthy of praise because we're so insignificant, but you still put your identity in us. And that identity that you put in us is to care for all the wonderful things you made, the sun and the stars, and all of those things are a part of your creativity and everything you created. You thought so much of us that you would make us have authority over that, man, you are worthy of praise, God. That's what this psalm is saying. And sometimes we take, we cherry-pick verses out of that psalm, but you've got to hear the whole song. You have to hear the whole song to know what the lyrics are communicating. I told you we're covering lots of portions of Scripture. Romans chapter 8. This is an interesting piece. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. This is not an unfamiliar passage to us. I told you I'm trying to convince you of something, though. Right? This is not something that if we've been around church, we've heard this verse before. If it's our first time hearing this verse, this is a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. All of creation is groaning. But it's not groaning in anticipation of Jesus coming back. Did we catch that? It's not groaning in anticipation of new earth showing up, which we'll talk about in Revelation. It's not groaning in anticipation of God rectifying everything. No, it's groaning in anticipation of God's children being revealed. Why would creation care about that? Because we are the ones that are supposed to take care of it. We're the bridge between trees and God. That may feel strange to us, but we're also a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood to what? <laughs> creation. Not just other humans. Humans are a part of creation, and that's why we get to also care for each other. But ultimately, humanity's responsibility from day six <laughs> was to be ambassadors of creator God to creation. And that's why creation would groan in anticipation of God's children being revealed because creation is suffering under the same curse we are. And please, will you just relieve the pressure? Yeah, cheetahs and orangutans, can have a relationship with creator God. But the reality is their relationship with creator God from day six has been through us. And that's why creation would groan in anticipation of God's children being revealed, not just creator redeeming all things. We look forward to when God redeems all things. But even before God redeems all things, Creation is looking in anticipation and hope to us as representatives of God even before it's fully redeemed. I told you I'm trying to convince you of something. The last portion of Scripture is in Revelation. And it's in some ways an answer to what was happening in Romans. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God And the lamb will be there. This is talking about new earth and Jesus is here and all of the wonderful things. It's glorious. And his servants will worship him. And they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. Interesting identity, right? (laughs) And there will be no night there. No need for lamps or sun. For the Lord will shine on them. And the last sentence and they will reign forever and ever for some of us this feels like a prize like this is the anticipation of when Jesus returns then I get my crown and then I reign listen you actually were supposed to be doing that already it's just not a prize (laughs) it's just the barriers to you doing your job are removed I mean that's just the truth God didn't change the script. Redemption doesn't look like we get more authority. It just looks like the barriers to your authority are removed. You are always supposed to be reigning with God. That was the point from day six. (laughs) Reigning with God from beginning. Having our identities written on, excuse me, having God's identity written on our foreheads from the beginning. Revelation is not this prize for you having completed all of eternity with faith. It is a return to what was supposed to have been from beginning. It's not a prize. It is a removal of the barrier. It's a removal of the stain. It's a removal, a redemption of earth. And we continue doing what we were supposed to do from the beginning. That's why I say it's the whole of Scripture. The whole of Scripture. I remember being younger, and for whatever reason, in our youth groups, we, like, the leaders would ask us, like, what do you think, like, like, why did God make humans? And, like, the quintessential answer was always to worship God, right? That's not actually it. There's a bubble that just got bursts. I'm sorry if you're online and you're watching and I just disappointed you. Humanity's purpose isn't to just worship God. Humanity's purpose is actually very clear. It's to be responsible for the earth. That is, when we talk about how, when we talk about worship, sure, you can say it's humanity's purpose to worship God, but the how is to be responsible for the earth. That's what I want to convince you of. That humanity's purpose is to... Be responsible for the earth. Now, here's the thing. We talked about purpose and talents and skills a few weeks ago. You might have some individual purpose as a part of humanity's overall purpose. Yeah, I get that. Everybody isn't going to do the same thing in our responsibility of caring for the earth. But when we talk about what humanity's role is, governing creation, caring for it. All of the other things that we do should be in some ways informed by humanity's primary function here. If we got like talk about this in super nerdy terms, our function in creation is to care for creation. And for some of us, that's like, man, that's a whack job. I wanted something a little bit more splendor. Like, I wanted something a little more shiny than that. Like, sorry, that's what we do. That doesn't mean that you need to all of a sudden quit your job and become a farmer. I didn't say that. Right? I'm not saying that all of us have the same role. However, some of us will be convicted at some point in our life to leave the city and go care for a plot of land. Some of us will. Some of us, like, I got that conviction a couple years ago, and I'm just saving up my money so I can buy (laughs) my land and have a micro farm. (laughs) Great. Your boy won't do that. (laughs) I will pick, I will harvest at the grocery store, but I still have a role in caring for the earth. (laughs) You still have a role because when all of this is done, here's the truth. My my role and job as a pastor is not permanent. It's not. Ephesians tells us that. Ephesians says that my job is to equip the church for ministry until Jesus comes back. (laughs) So when Jesus comes back, I'm out of a job. (laughs) But I'm always be about humanity's purpose and caring for creation. So I said there's the argumentative piece here. I want you to see this picture because oftentimes when we start talking about this, even in the church, we get this polarized view of like climate change and global warming and recycling and all the things. And listen, I'm not going to prescribe for you what this looks like. And here's, here's, Here's one way in which I would love for us as the church to completely end the conversation about whether or not we should care about climate change. Most times people are arguing about whether or not this is some natural phenomenon, the climate changes naturally, dot, 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 and or it's because of human beings polluting and having too many livestock and having too many cars. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter why it's changing because it's our responsibility, period. It doesn't matter. Like, for us to join an unnecessary dialogue about whether or not we should do something about what humanity's purpose is to do is an irrelevant waste of our time. I don't care why the climate is changing. It's still our responsibility to care about it, and we have to do something because that's a part of what humanity has been created to do. Period. Don't. Get sucked into the debate about how it started. Who cares? Even if we figure out why the climate is changing, it's not going to change what we need to do. We have to respond. We have to be engaged. Period. I'm not going to prescribe for you what that looks like because of the last slide, which we'll get to in a moment. I'm not going to prescribe for you exactly what to do, but I do want to convince you that we're supposed to be doing something. I do want us to walk out of this room having this full understanding that all of Scripture, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, says I have a responsibility when I recognize that something is different. Now listen, all of these 80 and 90 degree weather days at the end of May and June should tell you something's changing. Okay, listen, I got my first sunburn for real last year and up until like the last five years, black folks, we ain't get a sunburn like that. (laughs) I'm just being honest. I'm not saying we never could, but I'm just saying. (laughs) Melanin isn't enough. Uh (laughs) Climate change. (laughs) It's different than it was. The amount of fires... Uh, dramatic changes in weather, the amount of storms and the duration of hurricane season. These are things that you and I do not have individual influence over at all, Let's be honest. I'm, <laughs> it's not like we're going to stand at a field and say, fire, you can't go any further than this unless you feel led by the Spirit. Listen. <laughs> Listen, some of us, hey. That's a whole spiritual gift, miracles and such. Fire, look, stay there. But for the rest of us who that's not our jam, we still have a responsibility to caring. And that is a, and I think honestly, the most challenging thing for us isn't that we don't believe we have a responsibility. It is an overwhelming task. And we live in an individualistic society that tells us that you, have a responsibility, so you do something about hurricane season being longer. Well, that's overwhelming and discouraging, because I can't. Amen, amen, amen. So that's where our challenge comes from. Our challenge is to choose one new creation care matter in your sphere of influence this year, with which you will reign with Christ. Amen. I'm not saying go solve climate change. I'm not saying go solve the famines and water crises in all of the earth. I'm not saying that. You do have a sphere of influence though. Some of our spheres of influence is, is it's our it's our bedroom if we're a teenager. <laughs> it's our it may just be our house or our office. Some of us have more, our sphere of influence is greater. Some of us have social media influence. Ultimately, I'm saying choose one, right? Just one. Because here's how this works. It's not your responsibility to care for the earth by yourself. We saw that in Genesis chapter 1. Made them in his image and put them in charge of the earth. Didn't actually put one of them in charge of caring, they, humans, humanity, us, we share it. And if we allow ourselves to be tricked into the overwhelming reality that we cannot individually take care of any of these issues, then we will all be discouraged and none of our spheres of influence will allow us to reign with Christ in the way we are supposed to. You have a sphere of influence given to you by God. Why do I say it's been given to you by God? Because from day six, human beings have supposed to have been influencing, caring for, governing the earth. Within your sphere of influence, choose one. Choose one. And the reason why this can't be super prescriptive t- is uh, the last slide on there. i it doesn't matter. Seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. That's always, though, right? That's how we've been ending every single one of these sermons. I can't tell you exactly what your sphere of influence is. I can't. But I can give you some suggestions. Seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit primarily. But for those of us who interact with children, if we have children or if we're around children regularly, that's a sphere of influence that we have. It should be a part of how we're discipling children to know that they are responsible for caring for God's creation. It should be. It should be. If we work with other people, there's some way relationally we have influence with them. Holy Spirit, give me guidance to not Be someone who ultimately turns people off to the idea of us caring, but adequately encourages it. Some of you, that is advocacy, and you really would like, you will plan a whole march. (laughs) Go for it. Do it. For some of us, we have ideas that the Holy Spirit has put inside of us about how to make sure that everybody on our block has solar panels or whatever. I'm not even saying that that has to be what it is. I'm just saying, seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. But I'm, here's, what I, here's what I'm confident of. This is humanity humanity's primary responsibility here in the earth, and it will not be like God to keep it a secret from you in the way in which you're supposed to actually Amen. be engaged. Amen. It's just not who God is. If we are sincerely seeking the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, help me know how I can best reign with you and care for creation as you have designed me to do. It's not going to be something that's like, figure it out yourself. Like, from the beginning of this sermon, I've told you I've been trying to convince you of something. Here's what it is. I want us to end the futile debate about how we got where we are as a planet and pick up the mantle and responsibility that we were always supposed to have. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, it gives us an opportunity to practice for when the barriers are gone. To not see the overwhelming challenges as a reason to not do something but to go from genesis all the way through revelation and see that we have been empowered by god and certainly empowered through holy spirit to live out our responsibility i want us to have that some of you needed that cuz I've talked about the fact that we, that Ben is developing a green team. <laughs> Someone's like, green team, what's that? Caring for this plot of land that the Lord has provided to this church. Some of you are like, that's just a landscaping team, I know. it. you trying to trick me into it? No, I'm not. I told you I don't want to manipulate you. But we do need the grass to get cut. (laughs) We do need weeding every once in a while. (laughs) It's twofold, yes, to govern and take care and cut back (laughs) growing trees. (laughs) But also to think strategically and with vision about how it is that we care for not using up too much energy. There are things that we can do as a church family that governs and cares for this land that we're on well, that honestly we just aren't doing simply because there's not enough brains in the room to process what needs to be done. We govern this together. Some of you, this is a passion of yours, and you needed permission to bring your passion. I'm telling you now, you have permission to bring your passion for creation care. Trust me, we will take your lead. We want you to be engaged in it. Because we also want the world around us, our neighbors, to be influenced by that. That's the way in which we can best serve in terms of influencing the other humans is to lead by example the church. Leads by example. I want to give us a moment before we leave to one, pause, And seek the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. But I also want to give us a minute to respond after. So just go ahead for a second. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you have empowered and even equipped us as humans to care for that which you've created, God. It's not a new or spectacular idea. It's an old one that has existed since the day that you put us here. Help us to return to that truth. To represent your identity in the earth well, by how we care for, govern, and steward this planet. When I'm overwhelmed by the challenges that that brings, Holy Spirit, encourage me that I'm not in this by myself. And help me to network and collaborate with other humans. Will you make it clear how I might utilize my sphere of influence in this next year to reign well with you. God, we trust you. And throughout this whole series, it's been about seeking your Holy Spirit as we manage that which you have given us, whether it is our finances, whether it is our skills and talents, whether it's time and... also creation. Ultimately, as managers, it's not our will that we get to enact in these things. We want to be guided by your spirit. Because you will be glorified and your glory equals the world being blessed. So give us grace to live that out well.